Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. But we're talking about mosaic. Um, and I'm kind of concluding uh, what the series has been this month. And it's been such a phenomenal series, as Harrison was sharing earlier. Uh, this Mosaic series has been about the church. Uh, we're identifying, we're understanding what the church is, why is the church, how is the church. And um, I'm glad that we're able to conclude it and go into our next series uh, next month. Um, but a fact on the word Mosaic if we think about it, um, the word mosaic, actually, as I was just studying, the, um, studying for this message, the word mosaic actually comes from Moses. Um, Moses, we, we, if you know the Bible well, we have the mosaic covenant that God gave to um, Moses, hopefully, and um, in the Old Testament. And then some artists in the 18th century were like, you know what, I like the word mo- mosaic. I'm going to steal that. And now we use it for a collective of fragmented pieces to come together to create something beautiful. Um, These pieces, these shapes, these sizes are all specific, they're all unique, and they play their own part to come together to create something beautiful. And what a better representation than that of the church. Broken people, imperfect people, and maybe that might debunk some uh, thinking for some people here, what you thought the church was, oh, they're just perfect people, that you have to live by these certain rules and morals and stuff. It's like, no, 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 I want to say that it's just actually imperfect people believing in a perfect God. And uh, when we come under Him, uh, we actually create something far more beautiful than what we could ever imagine under the design of the Creator. And um, we believe that the church and this church is a place of flourishing. It's a community on purpose and on mission, edifying one another that someone might look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. They look at the mosaic and go, wow, that's something worth looking at. This is what the church is. And and tonight I want to dive in for our last message and look at the benefits of the local house and the universal church as a whole. Why Why do we believe that church is even a good thing? Why is it that the church is a place of purpose filled community? Why is it the church? And um I believe that God wants to speak to all of us here. Maybe you have a different view of what church is. Maybe even the word of church, um, for anyone here, you thought you'd be walking into a place with wooden pews. Well, straight up, we don't have wooden pews. Maybe you thought you'd have a hymn book in the front of you and let you know, I love my hymns, but we're not going to do that tonight unless you want to start singing Be Thou My Vision, and I'm all for it. Um, But you might have come in and we all have different views of what the church is. But tonight, I think it's really cool that we get to identify what the Bible says the church is and go from there because God has something amazing in store when we know why the church exists. And I believe the Word of God tonight wants to show us something tonight on why the church is good for humanity. Why is it good for humanity? Not just for us here in the church, but why is it good for our world today? So the title of my message tonight, if you're writing notes, is all of your, or all of our, all of your, fill the blank. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are here right now. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that Lord just comes right now and speaks to all of our hearts. God, I pray that Lord, we're not just playing church tonight, but Lord, we're a praying church and we believe in prayer that you're gonna stir our hearts to something new. We pray that God, we'd be able to leave this place different and not stay the same because we know that you're challenging us. You're, you're, you're setting the benchmark of what our lives wanna look inside you. And we thank you, God. Would you speak to every single heart significantly and specifically in the name of Jesus? And everyone said... Amen. Who had an awesome New Year's? By raise of hands. 
I'm like a youth preacher, so you've got to like get some a little bit of interaction with me. So um, this past New Year's, uh, a bunch of the friends, crew from um, City Edge here, like we went down to Noosa, sorry, up to Noosa, north, and um, we hung and had a little bit of a party at a house in Noosa with some friends. We had dinner. We played this game called Taboo. It's really good. If you want to scream at your friends and have them hate you at the end of the day, go for it. Um, but I recommend it. It's really good fun. It's my personality in a game. Um, And uh, we went to Noosa and it was a great time. And then we decided, as everyone does, on kind of like that last hour before 12 p.m., okay, what are we going to do to bring in the new year? It's always like the end of 2018, the start of 2019. What is going to be the defining thing that we do? And we were like, all right, let's do the classic young adult thing. Let's go to the beach and see fireworks. So we did that in Noosa, uh, Noosa Main Beach. And as soon as we pulled open the doors to the car at Noosa Main Beach. Noosa turned into Loosa because it was a very loose time. And um, can I say, we, we had to turn on our Red Frog crew outfits pretty quickly. Not that we had Red Frog shirts, but um, it got a little bit loose. We saw like 12ies drinking. We saw like policemen like have people behind, like getting into the paddy wagons. Like it turned into Loosa pretty quick. Not loser, but loose. Um, and we had to, t- like, um, I don't think any of us are Red Frogs anymore, but like, uh, and by the way, this is just out to probably Harry. I I did Red Frogs at Noosa, so if I can be a part of your team, bro, that'd be awesome. So, sweet, I'm in, so good. But basically, we had to turn on Red Frog mode pretty quickly, and like even girls, having (laughs) there was this one incident, I know Pastor Joe was there, and just like holding back this girl's head, like, sweetie, are you right? Can we get you a bottle of water? And just like, we went full pasta mode at Noosa Main Beach for like New Year's, Um, just something in us. But... um, Basically, we were like, okay, it's the final minutes. What are we going to do for the fireworks? What are we going to do? So we're like, let's get a good, a good vantage point, a good Instagram point, if you will. And um, let's go to the beach and um, we're just going to wait there. And it came to the final moments and the fireworks are just about to go off. I know it was about one minute. We'd taken off our shoes and um, kind of dipped our feet into the water a little bit. And then we kind of came back onto the beach to get a good vantage point for the fireworks. And I remember this crazy thought going through my head. I was like, what if at 12 p.m., I'm a pretty spontaneous guy, what if at 12 p.m., I just like ran as hard as I could into the water and spent the end of 2018, the start of 2019, fully clothed, like jumper, like I'm talking jeans, I'm talking shoes, all of it. What if I just did like a really looser kind of thing and I just jumped into the ocean at 12 p.m. and everyone's like, what the heck is that guy doing just like running as hard as he can in the ocean? This... This thought like went through my mind and then all of these other doubts started coming in just like, no, people will think you're an idiot. No, people, um, you, you gotta, you're, it's not, you didn't bring your own car here, so you're going to go into someone else's car really wet. No, don't do that. And I'm like, oh, it's risky, but I think I want to. Um, so, <laughs> and, um, and all these doubts started to come in and I'm like, oh, just do it. And it's like, no, but all the risks, all the doubts, all the things. And let's be honest, I didn't want to start 2019 with like having like 10 friends just hate me, just like an hour drive back to Kalana and just like, like looking at me like this, ruining the car and whatnot. So in that moment, as all these doubts came, I didn't do anything. I stood there and I watched the fireworks like a good boy. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, but the thing is, is now I regret it. 
I want a really cool story of how I went all in. I didn't just dip my feet in, but I went all in, 12 p.m. It was like an awesome time. It's a story to remember. Can't use that story at youth anymore because it's not exciting. The teenagers want me to go all in with all my, all my clothes and everything, but I didn't do it. And to be honest with you, I kind of regret it now. It would have been an awesome experience going, hey, you know what? I'm just going to put those things to the side of friends hating me for 2019 and all that kind of stuff. But, but it's the fact that I didn't go all in that I regretted so much. And... Um, I'm challenged by the words in the Bible and more accurately, the words of Jesus, where he gives humility, he gives humanity the keys to stepping into this abundant life in the mosaic where life can be done in this amazing place. And there's some verses that are gonna come on the screen and you'll see a correlation between all of them. In Proverbs, it says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We look at Luke 10, 27. This is Jesus speaking and he says, love the God, Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then finally in Psalm 9, 1, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord once again with all my heart. And there's quite an obvious theme of the word all here. And at first glance, the word all might be like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, all, great. But all means everything. All means not just having your toes wet, but all means actually committing and actually getting all of yourself wet and jumping in everything of your whole being. It describes, and I believe it describes, the life of a believer within the mosaic of Jesus. There's this story of a man, and he's at a dinner party, and and he looks across the room, and, and there's a girl over there. Seems like a lovely romantic love story, and he and he goes over and he gets the uh, confidence to go over. He asks for a number and, and she says, yeah, here's my number. And she likes him. He likes her. They go on their first date just a week later. And it looks like this magical love story that they're going to get married and they're going to get more first engaged and they're going to get married and then they're going to have kids. And it's looking like that. When they continue dating for some time, two years in fact, and he feels ready. He feels like now is the time to bend the knee and ask that so very important question that you only ask one time in this relationship. So he gets his girlfriend one day, takes her down to the beach. He gets on one knee, opens up a little ring box. Is that what they're called? They are now. And he asks this, honey, baby. Honey, baby, sugar mama. (laughs) What is the minimal requirement of things that I have to do to be your husband? Like I could do lots for you to show how much I love you, but I just want to ask, what's like the, what's like the just on the line of things that you'll accept for me to do for you that I might have your hand in marriage? Now, ladies, by a show of hands, who wants a man like this? Oh, oh, come on, Ty. (laughs) We love... (laughs) We love at this scenario, but isn't it interesting that we can sometimes do the exact same thing with God? What is the minimal requirement for me to be a Christian and live for you? What is like the least amount of things? What's just 
on the border of the line that I'll get my ticket to heaven and I'm all good to go. Because I don't want to go all in for you, but I'll, I'll just do what's kind of expected of me. Now, if we ask the question to those ladies, none of them would have married that man. And in the same way, this relationship with Jesus, the mosaic, the picture that he's calling us to live with, isn't a half-hearted, I just made a small decision. It's an all of your kind of decision. And all of your. The Bible teaches us something far more fulfilling, not for God, but for you. It's a life where all of your heart's on the line. All of your life, all of your time, all of your good and all of your bad is in Jesus. There's a Scottish evangelist by the name of Oswald Chambers. And I was, I was reading this and it just struck me. And he says this, the reason some of us are such poor specimens of Christianity is because we have no almighty Christ. We have Christian attributes and experiences, but there is no abandonment to Jesus Christ. But there's no abandonment to Jesus Christ. Now, you might be here tonight and you're not living your life for God. And this may be even your first time in church or a church service or learning about Jesus. And can I tell you that God isn't interested in all the bad things that you've done. God actually isn't even interested in all the good things that you've done. Jesus isn't bothered about the things that we kind of do on the outside that will look good for people or look good for him. He is interested in fixing and changing not the outside, but the inside of our hearts. Can I tell you that he is just after you? Jesus is after your heart. Not a list of do's and don'ts and what I did do and what I didn't do, but he's after your heart, to be in connection, to be in relationship with you. And after, at the very end of this service, there'll be an opportunity for you actually to give your heart over to God because He wants to pour all of Himself into you as well. The greatest life that you could ever live. And I love the, what the Bible teaches, and there's lots of Bible tonight, and I'm still, I love the Word of God. But what the Bible teaches is this is a marriage between God. This is a covenant between God, but sometimes we treat Jesus as if this wasn't a marriage deal at all. The church is known as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, 23 to 25, um, the Apostle Paul says this, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the saviour. Basically making this parallel that the husband is like Christ and the wife is the church. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What an amazing representation of the cross, but what an amazing representation of the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You know what, how Christ loved the church? He died on a cross. And that's how we now are to live in Christ Jesus. The husband is Christ, but the wives are like the church. There's a parallel here. And if we thought about that the church was just seat warming and inspiring messages on a Sunday and midweekend on a Friday, then we've actually missed something. We've actually missed something, but it's actually an all of your, it's a partnership. It's a relationship. It's a giving all of your life to Jesus. We see these words like marriage, sacrifice, and all of our. 
And I believe these three points actually culminate into one single word that is the defining factor of the believer and the church of a mosaic that looks like God. I believe there's one defining word that that sums up this key idea and action that defines all who live in the blessing of God who live in the benefits of God and live in the purpose-filled life of God. And if you can hold on to this, you'll hold on to life itself. It's this one word, surrender. It's this one word, surrender. Surrender means all of me. Surrender means I'm gonna give up my life for this cause. Surrender is bigger than myself. And if we look at a mosaic, what happens when all of the pieces of a mosaic are surrendered to the hand of the artist? What could happen if we like little fragmented pieces, all individual, specific and unique, could come together and say, God, I surrender up my whole piece so that you can put it into the place where it needs to be. This is the church, a body of believers living in surrender to Christ. What could happen when the one who sees all, the one who knows all, the one who knows the beginning from the end is above all, has several hundreds of hearts surrendered to him? What could that look like? I'll tell you what it will look like. This is where the church starts to become something a little bit more than just a building. This is where the church begins becoming a city-transforming community of purpose-filled believers. I was going through the Gospels lately and, and came upon John 17. And I love this chapter so much. And it's basically Jesus talking to the Father. He's praying to the Father. And I actually regret that I haven't read it in some time. I've just been pondering over the last two weeks. And it's in the words of Jesus in the Bible. He prays for his disciples. He prays for you and I. What an awesome piece of scripture. We see Jesus praying for us. In John 17, 15 to 19, it says this, my prayer, and this is Jesus speaking to the Father on our behalf. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one because they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified, truly sanctified. His disciples that he's praying for is anyone who would surrender their life to Jesus. They only are the ones who actually receive the promise where Jesus prays for them the ones who come under the surrender and the lordship of Jesus, who have prayed a prayer of repentance before God and also an acceptance that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Not only just in the church, but they have a growing relationship with Christ. And for the next bit of time, I do wanna talk about three of the benefits of surrender. Three of the benefits of giving everything. Three of the benefits of being this so-called disciple of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, it's the best life that you can live in Christ. And number one, I believe that it's protection. Protection. You are guaranteed that Jesus prays over your life for protection. He says this in, as he prays to the Father, but that you protect them from the evil one. Firstly, we believe that not only God exists, but those who try to oppose God also exist. 
Not that they have more power, they're definitely smaller, but they still will try to get the disciples and the followers of him off track so that they won't live out the God purpose on their life. But I love that this, and, and David Guzik, I think that's how he says his name, says his name, say his name. But he, he says this, Jesus tells us that we are still going to be in battle, but that we are going to be protected. He doesn't just take us out of the world. It's not like Gnosticism where, you know, you just guard yourself and you just need to do no wrong things and and meditate on on good things and then you're a good person. It's like, no, 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 we're still in the world. We're just not of the world. I love what this writer says as well. He says that if we're to view not being in the world, but of the world, well, that's it. No, if we're not, if we are in the world, but not of the world, we're kind of like a ship on the ocean. A ship is on the ocean, but but it's not in the ocean. A ship is in the ocean when it's sunk, when it's capsized, but we are on the ocean bringing hope to all those around. And this is our life as a disciple. We are not only in this life, and it doesn't mean that things aren't gonna come against us. It means that we'll be protected when those things do come. I love what the Bible says, and, and these are two of my personal favorite verses. It says that the Lord, He will be your rear guard. For any Call of Duty players, He's got your six. He's got your six. He will be your rear guard at all times. So basically when I'm standing here, he's behind there with a machete, I don't know, an AK, whatever you've got, and he's gonna take down the enemy whenever he's gonna try and come at you. But the best part is, is Jesus don't only got your six, he got your front too. Deuteronomy 31, eight says, the Lord himself goes before you. So God's got your six and he's got, his, and he's got your front. At the same time, when you are in Christ, surrendered your life to Him, He surrounds you in every single way that it doesn't matter what the enemy chucks at you, you will be protected by the Spirit of God. I love what Colossians says, that we are hidden in Christ. Wow, what a concept. We are hidden in Christ, that whenever things try to come against us, we are in Him and, and nothing can penetrate the force field around our lives known as the Holy Spirit. I, I just want to give a personal testimony. I want to let you know that when I surrendered my life to Christ, and this isn't everyone's journey, this doesn't always happen, I guess you could say, but I want to let you know that I, I don't really get sick anymore. I'll be real with you. I don't usually get sick anymore. The last time I, was, I went to the doctor is because I scratched my cornea like a few weeks ago and that sucked. Um, but that was my own doing. I kind of did this and, and then I had to wear an eye patch for like three weeks. But um, it was just two days. But you know, like, <laughs> felt, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, side tangent. But if you've ever worn an eye patch before, you can't drive, you can't walk properly. I was hitting into things constantly. It feels like three weeks. But anyway, side sidetrack. Um, Man, I'm really sidetracked. Where did I, where did I go? <laughs> but I don't get sick these days. I'll tell you that. Like, yeah, there might be a, a little cold or a few, but honestly, it's been probably like five years before I proper had to see the doctor about anything. And, and this is the promise that God gives us. This is real. This isn't some you know, super spiro. He did this. No, no, no. It's, it's not super spiro. It's just surrender. It's giving your life to Christ and and God wants to protect you not only on a physical level, but a spiritual, emotional level as well. Where things try to come at you, where where words that used to speak to you, the Holy Spirit puts up a barrier and says, no, those those words don't affect you anymore. Oh, the one at the cross of Calvary, they they, they don't have any weight anymore and they just fall to the ground. Those things that used to offend you, they don't offend you anymore because you're protected by the Spirit of God around your life, but it's only in surrender. You don't get it anywhere else. You don't get it anywhere else. He promises us protection. Secondly, 
I believe that the benefits of giving everything, the benefits of surrender is that we can know truth. No truth. If we look at that verse before our, uh, John 17, where Jesus was speaking about his disciples, if that can come up again. John 17. I think it was back a little bit. Awesome. It says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I believe that only in Christ Jesus you can know truth. And I mean absolute truth. Hey, there, I want to let you know, there is truth. Truth does exist. There's not everyone's truth is truth because if everyone's truth is truth, then no one's truth, then, then truth doesn't exist anymore. If your truth is against my truth, well, who's true? No, 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 there has to be a truth. And we believe that Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Man, what a convicting, what a also a uh, conflicting kind of verse. A man in time of history came into the world and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I don't know about you, but we can either reject this guy and say, you're a loony tune, you need to calm down and stop saying your truth, or we actually have to take what Jesus said seriously and go, wow, is he actually truth? Is he actually life? Because if he is, then that's something that I want to follow. And that's something that I want to know. And the thing is with Christ is that you continually begin to be revealed to truth in your life. And thirdly, I believe the third benefit, when you know truth, you'll know your purpose. When you know truth, you'll know your purpose. Another very hard piece of scripture to swallow is, is Jesus saying this to us. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Isn't it crazy that if God truly is truth, if Jesus is really truth, if in surrender we find truth, isn't it a crazy thought? And it doesn't even really make sense to our common reasoning that if we give everything up, we gain everything. Last time I checked, when I, when I hand over a present, I ain't going to see that present no more because I've given it away. But with Jesus, the God, the one who made you, the one who designed you, the one who fashioned you in your mother's womb, the one who knows you and wants your heart, he says, when you give up your life, it doesn't make sense, but you'll gain it in me because I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life, but it can only be found in surrender. So you can only find your purpose in surrender because purpose is wrapped in a posture called obedience. Purpose is wrapped in a posture of your hearts called obedience. Obedience is just another word of surrender, doing what God wants and not what I want. It's surrendering your life before Christ. Who would have thought that if I was to give up my whole life, I'd, I'd actually find it? It doesn't make sense philosophically. It doesn't make sense for our human reasoning. But we don't live for just a finite goal. We live for an infinite, immortal, amazing designer, creator, and artist who is bringing mosaic pieces together to give you a purpose. Wow. Who am I? Where I've spat in the face of God and I've said, no, I don't want to live for you. I want to live my own life. And for him to say, no, 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 I love you and I want you to come into me, but it's going to cost you something. You need to surrender. But in surrender, it's beautiful. In surrender, there's purpose. 
In surrender, there's life. In surrender, there's hope. You're not going to find it anywhere else. In all of life's complexities, God simply wants your heart. To love Him with all of your, to trust Him with all of your, to thank Him with all of your heart.